The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. We can trust God for the past. If, if what he's written about in Scripture is actually true, then, and, then we can trust what he says about the future and what he says about how to live right now, day by day. And I think that's good wisdom. We'll meet a Canadian pastor in a moment who has a keen interest in biblical archaeology and shares his excitement for recent discoveries. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. These First Person interviews are archived online and can be listened to on demand or use our First Person app to download any interview for listening at your convenience. Look for our free app for either Apple or Android devices. Just before we meet our guest, a word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for supporting this program. FEBC is an exciting broadcast ministry reaching millions every day in countries like China, Russia, Korea, Cambodia, and many others. To learn more, visit febc.org. Also, there is now a new podcast from FEBC called Until All Have Heard. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts. I found our guest while surfing YouTube videos and came across a series from Associates for Biblical Research featuring Pastor Brian Windle. Brian is a pastor who keeps up on the latest in biblical archaeology, and I thought his story was interesting. So let's meet him now. Well, thanks so much for reaching out, Wayne. It's an honor. Um, my name is Brian Windle, and I'm a pastor uh, by day, and I uh, pastor a small church in uh, rural northern Ontario. I think my town maybe has a population of three, 400 people, um, so pretty pretty small town, and um, that's what I do by day. I have a wonderful congregation here at Island Bible Chapel, and then I also do some work for an organization called the Associates for Biblical Research. They're a group of archaeologists and scholars who are committed to demonstrating the historical reliability of scripture through their research. They're the group that leads the dig at Shiloh, Israel every year, so they're actively involved in excavations. Also probably famous for the fact that they, we believe, have discovered um, the biblical city of Joshua's Ai that he hmm. conquered at Kerbet el So that's, wow. yeah, that's who I am. Hopefully we can talk about some of those things, but uh, the church where you serve is in northern Ontario. Now, I grew up in Michigan. Uh, you could almost shoot an arrow and hit Michigan from where you live, but it sounds like a lovely place. Well, it is, and, and you're right. We're really close. In fact, I'm just outside um, a city called Sault Ste. Marie, and there's a Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, and a Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, so very close to the border. And yeah. you live on an island there live on an island right uh, in Lake Huron, right where Lake Huron and Lake uh, Superior meet. It's, uh, it's a beautiful place. Well, we're, we are going to talk about uh, biblical archaeology, but a, a word about the church. I mean, here you are, a, a local pastor of a small church in northern Ontario. Tell me about your calling to that. Well, it's a very interesting story, Wayne, because I actually am pastoring at the church that I grew up at as a kid, oh. and that's a very interesting scenario. I often say nobody here is putting me on a pedestal because half of them knew me as a kid, so they've got all the dirt on me. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> but funny. I remember as a teenager, I was—I uh, did a co-op placement in high school, and I did it as a pastor's assistant with the, the gentleman who was my pastor. Um, when I was a teenager, and I remember standing in the church, and he said to me once, 
Ryan, wouldn't it be interesting if the Lord led you back here as pastor someday? And so, uh, 20 years later, it just took a little longer than maybe I thought, but um, the the church came calling, and I was I was feeling the Lord leading me into pastoral ministry somewhere, and it just seemed to be a really good fit. So he was more of a prophet than he realized. He was. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Well, let's talk about your interest in biblical archaeology. Now, um, a lot of people might be scratching their heads thinking, well, is that really relevant for this day? And I know you're very excited about it, and we all need to be interested and excited about it because of how it adds to our faith. It doesn't, doesn't, our faith isn't based on it, of course. I'm, I'm sure you hear the verse cited all the time that faith is the evidence and the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But tell me about your interest. Well, my interest in, in archaeology actually goes back to when I was a teenager. I um, got a Bible when I was a teenager, an old Thompson Chain reference Bible, and right at the back of it, there was this archaeological supplement. And at a time in many people's lives when they start to question what they've been taught, I was raised in the church, so start to question that and, and maybe rebel a little bit. It was very encouraging for me to be able to read a story about Capernaum something that happened in Capernaum, and then go back to the, the archaeological supplement at the back and, and read about the synagogue in Capernaum, where I was reading these stories in Scripture. And it really affirmed for me that, that these stories are, are real stories. They're real accounts about things that actually happen in a real place and time. And, um, and so that's kind of started, started my journey, and I've kept in touch with it uh, over the years. And, and often in my teaching, my, my teaching as a pastor and before that as an itinerant preacher, uh, I, would, I would often um, bring in the historical background. It just illuminates so much for me um, what's happening in Scripture and, and, and helps us to make sense, really, of the, the time in which all of these things happened. I remember preaching once at a um, at a summer camp, a children's summer camp that I was involved in, and I was preaching on Hebrews 11. And in the in the evening, we looked at faith. What is faith? Um, but in the morning, what we did is we looked at the historical and archaeological evidence for the people named in Hebrews chapter 11. And I remember afterwards, this girl came up to me, and I knew her. She had been raised in the church gone to Sunday school, had come to this Bible camp her whole life, and she came up to me with eyes wide open after one of the talks, and she said, I can't believe it, it's true. <laughs> these, these stories I heard in Sunday school, they actually happened. And I thought, my goodness, here is, here is a girl who was raised in the church who harbors these secret doubts that these stories that she's heard actually occurred. And so that's one of the things that really has, has helped me and, and I guess gotten me really passionate about trying to bring archaeology and, and I view myself more as a translator, taking some of the difficult archaeological terms and concepts and making them, um, translating them so the average person, the average young person in particular, the millennials, they, they can read it in my blog, for example, in, in very short sections, five to seven minutes, and make sense of it and hopefully understand that you know, when the Bible talks about kings, for example, these aren't like the kings of Gondor and, and Rohan and Lord of the Rings. These are actual kings in real places. We have evidence of them. And so it really has helped me and built my faith over the years. Yeah. We'll put links to your blog and to your YouTube videos on our uh, program notes at firstpersoninterview.com, Brian. Uh, have you had the opportunity to participate in any digs in Israel, for instance? 
<laughs> I have not yet, but I just started a master's degree in archaeology and biblical history through Trinity Southwest University. And as part of my degree, uh, obviously, I have to do some digs. So Good. I've got um, six weeks of excavations before me at some point, um, either next summer or the summer after the summer after that. Well, that's very exciting. You must be looking forward to that. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about some examples of some of the things you write about in your blog or have taught on YouTube in various videos. What, what excites your heart right now about recent finds? Well, the one I always start off with um, is the one that got me involved with ABR to begin with, the Associates for Biblical Research, and that was a little clay seal impression. We call it in archaeology a bula, and it was the seal impression um, of King Hezekiah in 2015, um, uh, a seal was found, this bula was found, the seal impression with, uh, that belonged to King Hezekiah, belonging to King Hezekiah, um, King, of, King of Judah, son of Ahaz, it, it was all there. And other seals had, we had known from him in the past, but they all came from the antiquities market. This was the first one that actually came in a controlled archaeological excavation, and it came in Jerusalem and uh, in an administrative center there that dated to the time of Hezekiah and afterwards and, um, and had been destroyed. And, and it, that was the very first uh, update that I ever wrote for, for the Associates for Biblical Research. One of the things I do for them is I follow the world of biblical archaeology, and then I, every week I do an update on current events. What's the latest uh, discovery or the latest find? Uh, and that was the very first one I did. And so that, that one is kind of near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. I often have it as my screensaver on my computer and my <laughs> background. And, and it often people ask, what is that? And so it gives me an opportunity to tell them. Yeah. Well, as an example, is there much secular history about Hezekiah? There is. Um, one of the, the neat things that about Hezekiah is, I think he's one of the kings of Israel, or kings of Judah, rather, that we have the most evidence for. Um, he's probably most famous for the fact that he was the king of Judah when Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came and attacked uh, Jerusalem and, um, and, and the other cities of Judah as well, Lachish and others. And um, when Sennacherib could not conquer Jerusalem, and you remember the story where God steps in and sends an angel and destroys the army, Sennacherib goes back to Assyria and uh, what he puts on his wall and what he describes in his annals are is this campaign. He talks about Hezekiah of Judah. He he brags about how he shut him up in his city like a bird in a cage, uh, <laughs> is the phrase that he uses. But what's really interesting is that he does not claim, he cannot claim that he conquered Jerusalem. In fact, what he does is he he plasters his walls with these beautiful carved reliefs of his army and and him taking over the city of Lachish, because that's the city he did conquer. So that's the one he put on his walls, but he couldn't claim to conquer Jerusalem. And it's interesting because that lines up beautifully, perfectly really, with what we see in scripture, the story that's there. All of the data points match up. More of this conversation with Pastor Brian Windle coming up on this edition of First Person in just a moment. I decided to escape North Korea after listening to FEBC's broadcast. I was able to keep my faith firm by listening to your programs. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. 
My guest is Pastor Brian Wendell, and we're talking about biblical archaeology and his calling uh, to write about it and to research it. Uh, he's with Associates for Biblical Research, in addition to being a local pastor in Canada. Brian, I'm so grateful for your time today. It's an exciting story to hear how God prepares us and equips us to do what we do. And you have this uh, almost sort of a hobby, isn't it, with biblical archaeology? I know you're going to be studying it very seriously in the future, but uh, how God called you into this. It really is. It's my it's my little side project. I often tell people, um, pastors often take Mondays off. And uh, people will sometimes say to me, well, wh- what do you do on your day off? And I said, well, I read about and write about archaeology. And they think, oh my goodness, I, really, that's, that's your hobby? And I say, to each their own. <laughs> it's what I'm passionate about. It's what I love doing. It's what I relax doing. And so, um, when the Lord opened up an opportunity with uh, to help out the Associates for Biblical Research, research. Um, I, it was a door that opened and I said, well, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. And so five years later, still working for them on the side Good. as uh, just as a volunteer. Well, let's talk about ABR and then we'll talk about some more recent discoveries. Um, what is it about ABR? Is it, is it uh, available as a teaching tool for other pastors and church leaders and laymen? Yeah, they uh, their website, uh, biblearchaeology.org, is, is where I got connected with them first. And before I was ever a part of the organization, I used to follow their website because they had this section on updates. And they had so many really good articles that were on their website. I mean, if you wanted to learn about Joseph in Egypt, for example, they have a, a great series on Joseph in Egypt. If you wanted to learn about um, different kings, they have great articles on that, all written, well, scholarly, written for the average person. Okay. And so, so it's a Bible um, study tool. It really, it really is. Um, I'll give you an example. We were we were reading um, the story of uh, the Apostle Paul and uh, the shipwreck near the island of Malta one night at our family devotions, and one of my sons said to me. Dad, is there any evidence of those ship's anchors in the story? He's your son, I, isn't he? <laughs> that's right. I said, well, let's check, bud. And so we went to we went to the computer, went to BibleArchaeology.org, and sure enough, they have an article on some anchors that have been discovered near Malta. And, and um, we don't know for sure that those were the anchors, but it certainly um, shows us that there were shipwrecks at that point in history right at the place where the Bible says there were. And so those are the ways that, that I've often used it. You know, the, the, the book of Luke, when Luke wrote his, his gospel, he said that he wrote it to Theophilus and he wrote it so that he might know the certainty of the things that he believed, that, that Luke had done all of this careful research so that, so that he could be certain of the things he believed. And I, and I see ABR's ministry working in much the same light. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about some more recent discoveries that you've written about and studied? Just recently, like in the last two months, um, there's always discoveries coming out. Um, just last week, uh, for example, um, they found in uh, just outside of the old city of Jerusalem, they found these beautiful stone, uh, they're called capitals. So, so this is the ornate stone, dec- stone decorations that are on the top of those columns. Um, and um, they found them in a palatial um, structure that was that dated actually to the time of Hezekiah and Manasseh after the Assyrian 
um, invasion that that failed, and and so we have this beautiful little piece of history that the royal people of of Judah would have used. It's very similar to it's a very um, common motif uh, that we know from that period of time. And this just just a couple of weeks ago, even before that, in July, they came up with uh, they unearthed this Iron Age um, administrative complex. Um, in Jerusalem that dates to the time of Hezekiah and Manasseh as well with all of these jar handles that have this stamp on it that we call them the lamellic stamp which means to the king and so it, all of this helps us understand the world in which Hezekiah and Manasseh lived we get kind of the bare bones um, descriptions in scripture and then archaeology really helps illuminate scripture for us mm-hmm. And, of course, so, so much of this takes place in Israel. Uh, how is it with the Israeli government in uh, these various digs that are going on, and what kind of cooperation? Do you, do you know anything about that? I'm, I'm not really in on all of that. I, I do know that there is sometimes, um, sometimes archaeology gets used and politicized, um, not by the archaeologists themselves. The archaeologists, the vast majority of them, just want to, learn about the site that they are that they're excavating uh, some of which are biblical sites many of which are not mm-hmm. um, but uh, but sometimes it gets caught up in the israeli palestinian political um, process and sometimes even gets used um, for that but that that's certainly not the intention of of, of anyone uh, any archaeologist that i know and certainly not at all with the people at abr okay well, I know you've uh, you've got many examples, and I'd love to talk about a couple more as we have time here. So uh, let's keep going. Um, well, one of the things I, I do uh, on my blog, and then I it, it usually gets turned into um, a Digging for Truth episode, which is our uh, ABR's TV show that they do. It comes out every Sunday. I, I do a top 10 list at the end of every year, the top 10 discoveries uh, in biblical archaeology for the past year. And so um, in 2019, there were some there were some great discoveries that were made, um, and including one that was made by ABR at Shiloh. Um, so at Shiloh, Israel, they found uh, three uh, horns from a from an altar there. And so um, here's where this is really interesting. The Bible describes Shiloh as a place where Israel went. I mean, that's the place where Eli was, where Samuel was, where the tabernacle stood for over 300 years. And when we go there, what do we find? We find evidence of of stone altar horns there, um, which really helps us to to show us that there's evidence there that the Israelites worshiped the Lord at Shiloh, just the way the Bible describes. And so that was one of the top finds. The number one find I had for last year, it, it actually, I think it was, there are a number of us who do uh, top 10 lists, and I think it was the number one on everybody's list last year. It was the unanimous one. It was a little clay seal impression with the name, it had the inscription, belonging to Nathan Melech, servant of the king. It's kind of an obscure person, except that when we go to scripture, there is a Nathan Melech who was a servant of King Josiah. Oh my goodness. Second Kings 2311. And uh, many scholars have looked at this bula and looked at the the archaeological context in which it was found. Um, they, they've looked at the the epigraphy, the style of writing on it. It dates right about to that time period. And a lot of people have said, isn't it interesting, some obscure person named only once in scripture. And what do we find? Huh. We find this seal impression from this official in the kingdom of King Josiah. It's amazing. Wow. That, that brings goosebumps. It really does. Okay, we've got time for one more. 
Sure, sure. One of the one of the ones that I'm I'm following pretty closely. In fact, I, I wrote an article on it for ABR's magazine Bible and Spade, uh, which is a non-technical quarterly publication. Um, it was on the site of Bethsaida. Where is biblical Bethsaida? So many things happened in the city of Bethsaida. Um, there has been one site in Israel that has been championed for tw- over 20 years. It's called Et Tel. But a lot of scholars have pointed out that it doesn't match the things you would think from a fishing village. I mean, it's a mile and a half from the, uh, or mile or mile and a half from the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we are pretty sure we know where the shore of the Sea of Galilee was at the time of Jesus. Um, and and so some scholars have not been very satisfied with that. And then a couple of years ago, a new dig started at a place called El Araj. And what they've started to unearth is a first century fishing village right by the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Moreover, Josephus tells us that um, that um, one of the Herods converted it to a, a, a polis, a city. And so you would then expect to find the things you would find in a Roman city there mm-hmm. as well. And they're starting to find Roman baths. And last year they unearthed what they believe is a Byzantine church, Mm. which Byzantines often built their churches on significant biblical places. And so some of the evidence is starting to line up to say this could be biblical Bethsaida. Yeah, I remember reading about this one. It's very exciting indeed. Well, this has been fascinating, and you know, this has been a quick review, and you've got so much more you could share, and you do share in your your blog and elsewhere. But uh, just let me ask you, Brian, how has all this affected your faith? I think for me... The the big thing is it has it has helped me understand that my faith is not based on fairy tales, that it is based on actual facts. And that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is rooted in history, that there really was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who came, that the places that we read about Jesus walking. Um, we can go there today and see many of the actual places. You can go to the the southern steps of the Temple Mount, and those are the steps Jesus would have walked up. And we can see, um, I, I look at that, and personally, it just encourages me to know that when I'm looking back at something, I don't have to check my brain at the door. I don't need to, I don't have a faith that is a blind faith or, or a faith that is um, that is just kind of believing pie in the sky, we have a faith that is based and rooted in history. And that is really encouraging to me. The scripture says that at just the right time, and the, the word that's used there is the, is the word chronos, at just the right point in history, that's when God the Father sent Jesus to earth. And uh, it just encourages me as I see all the little points of scripture lining up. It, it helps me to understand that when God says something, I can trust it. My my friend and colleague at ABR, uh, Gary Byers, is a, is one of our archaeologists, and he says, you know, if we can trust God for the past, if if what he's written about in Scripture is actually true, then and then we can trust what he says about the future, and what he says about how to live right now, day by day. And I think that's good wisdom. Thanks to Pastor Brian Windle for the introduction to biblical archaeology. Obviously, there's much more to this topic. You may want to check out the links we've placed at firstpersoninterview.com, which will lead you to Brian's blog and the work of the Associates for Biblical Research. Once again, those links are at firstpersoninterview.com. That's also the place where you'll find a schedule of our upcoming guests. These conversations are made possible through the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, 
who'd love for you to hear how God works in the lives of people for His glory. Every day, hundreds of local FEBC broadcasters prepare and deliver programs to people in their own local language. The result is that millions of listeners hear the gospel, are trained in God's Word, and where there is a local church, they are connected to it. More at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.